God is good, isn't he? If you love Jesus, say amen. 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 He is here with us today. And you know what is the awesome thing is he not only died on the cross for us, he rose from the dead and he gave us an example of getting baptized so that we could show the world that we are one of his children and we will rise with him one day and spend eternity in heaven. So as we sing this next song, let's give Jesus all the praise, all the glory that he deserves.
you are worthy of all of our praise. Thank you so much for the gift of salvation. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for us, Lord. Where would we be without the gift of salvation? And God, we ask that you will just continue to bless us, Lord. In spite of our, in spite of our sinful nature, Lord Jesus, you saved us from the penalty of death. And we thank you for that. We thank you so much again, Lord, for just being here together, allowing the freedom of worship in this country so that we can come before you and bless your name. We ask that you will just continuously keep us on our knees, Lord God, falling before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, so that you can give us the power, Lord, to go out and tell the world and preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We love you and we praise your holy name, for you are worthy of all of our praise. Amen. You can be seated, please. Amen. Aren't you glad to be here today? We're glad that you're here today to worship with us, worship our God. Crossroads Ministries is, a, is, is all about bringing people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and uh, we're glad that you're here to be a part of that this morning. Just a, just a few thoughts today. Would you um, pass the friendship folders down the aisle? That would greatly help us. And then we have just a few announcements, and um, it sounds like we're echoing. I don't know. Is that me? or All right. Back up a hair. All right. There we go. Um, I, I want to encourage you uh, today to be a part, of, uh, a part of the Operation Christmas Child. And if you'll take the Operation Christmas Child boxes, I know you've been bringing them in. And uh, today they're actually leaving. So if you're in your car, please bring them out afterwards. 500 boxes went out. And we sent out 500 boxes. And so hopefully all 500 boxes come back in. We're excited to see them go out here today and be a part of uh, part of what's happening here, uh, how Crossroads can connect around the world. So thank you for your participation there. <clears throat> and along those lines is the, the Family Links. The family Links is a local shelter here, a uh, woman's shelter, to, uh, actually a family shelter. And uh, you can go over right next to where the, where the boxes have been deposited. On the wall, you'll see there, it's over by the coat rack. It says Family Links, and it has all these little papers. They're on a clothesline. Uh, if you'll take one of those and bring in some of the items, uh, they're items that will help them to get established, to help these, these families to get back on their feet, help them this Christmas. So please bring them back. It says to bring them back unwrapped, but here's the deal. They have to come back next Sunday. We need to get them back in quickly so we can help this, uh, help this place. We've been a big help to them for the past five years, and they kind of look to us every year to help them. So if you could please help us, we'll go out there and, and grab that and take that and bring that in for next Sunday, okay? This Wednesday will be our Thanksgiving Eve night of worship. We will have a night of worship. We're going to start at 7 o'clock. By 8.05, you're going to be out the door on the way home to be able to uh, continue making your pumpkin pies and getting things ready at your house. But I want to encourage you to uh, come and be a part of our night of worship. It's going to be a fantastic time. Christ is the center of attention, as he is always. But we're going to just focus in on thanking him. We're going to thank God for who he is, for what he's done, and just focus in on our Savior. So I want to encourage you to be here for that. On Wednesday night, we'll also be having our deacon affirmation. Um, our deacons serve a, a term of two years in the church here. And so this, uh, this Wednesday, we'll be sharing with you who our deacons are and, uh, and let you, the congregation, have an opportunity to be a part of that affirmation. So please be here. That will be a part of our service. We're, we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to have communion. We're going to have our deacon affirmation. It'll be a great, great time. I'll Be Home for Christmas is coming up. That's our dessert theater. Our Christmas dessert theater is December 9th through the 11th, 9, 10, 11. 
Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's just a few weeks away. If you go out in the foyer, you can get your tickets right there, or you can go right online. You can purchase them right online, and they'll, they'll come by email. You bring them in on your phone that night, or you print them out, and, uh, and we'll help you find your seat. But uh, they're $6, and that's just is to cover the cost of the dessert. Over in the gymnasium, there'll be a dessert bar, and uh, that's going to be a, an exciting night over there as well. The program starts here, so on Friday it starts at 7, Saturday and Sunday it starts at 6, and then we go over to the gymnasium afterwards and we have, have a, 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 some really, really fancy desserts. It's going to be a fun time. So uh, I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, and, and why are we doing that? Why do we do a Christmas outreach like that? It's, it is it, just to reach out. We're not trying to have a Hallmark Channel up here, all right? Hallmark Channel is really good at being a Hallmark Channel. But we have something far better than the Hallmark Channel. We have Christ. And he transforms lives. And so we want to encourage you. I'm, my encouragement is for each one to reach one. If each one of us will go out and invite, buy somebody a ticket, bring them here, and just watch what God will do. God will use your step of faith as you, as you bring somebody and you spend some time with them. Go over in the gymnasium afterwards and, uh, and, and you, the gospel will be shared here. They'll hear how they can accept Christ as their personal Savior. Then go over in the gymnasium. Over in the gymnasium, it'll be decked out all Christmas. It'll be a fun time over there. And, uh, and continue to spend some time with them and carry on the conversation as, uh, as God leads you in the days to come. So I want you to pray about that. And then we have our birthday gift to Jesus offering. We're so excited about our birthday gift to Jesus offering. This year, our goal is $80,000. And you can see there's just a little bit of red at the bottom of that thermometer. It's up to about $3,500 right now. And uh, so we have 96% to go. And uh, we have a, a big goal ahead of us. But I want to encourage you to pray about it. Pray about your part. Uh, look in your bulletin, if you would. Inside your bulletin, there's a, there's a paper. And you open that up, and it has the list. It says, Birthday Gift to Jesus 2016. And uh, on the inside is our list of $80,000 worth of projects, uh, worth of people that we're, we're investing in. People in Africa, people in, uh, in, in, uh, in Haiti, in the Philippines, all around the world. We're investing, we're feeding orphans. Uh, we're, we're, we're making a difference. So I want to encourage you to, number one, pray about your part. Uh, and number two, to give more to Jesus than to anybody else. As you look around and you, you see all that Christmas can bring in our society, you know there's a lot. Some of you like to shop on QVC. Some of you like to shop on Amazon. Isn't it great? You click and ship, right? And it just comes right to your house. Uh, others of you still enjoy the mall experience. But you know, that list can get really lengthy and you can start to really add up and forget Jesus in the midst of it all. So we've, what we've done here for many years is we've encouraged our church family to put Jesus at the top of that list. And when you put him at the top of the list, then you can still order your Amazon and QVC and take a trip to the mall. But let's put Jesus at the top and invest eternally. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you're giving to that offering today, please mark your gift as a birthday gift to Jesus. Um, today, I'd like to uh, brag on some of our people. Um, you know, we have a really great church family here. And I'm, I'm honored to be, be the pastor of the church and to, to, uh, to lead, lead like we do. 
but uh, one of our great, great people here, I just want to celebrate. You know, I get to hear a lot of people's stories all the time, get to hear what God is doing in people's lives. And one great family here that I just want to recognize is Tom and Marianne Mickick. They're celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. I'm going to call them down front. Would you welcome them? Sixty years, folks. Can you believe this? Give them another round. I'll tell you, this is incredible. It was, it was actually yesterday, right? Sixty years. The seventeenth. What day is today? Twentieth. All right. So it was this week. They had their sixtieth anniversary this week, and yesterday their family chartered a bus for them, and and took all their relatives. What do you have? About thirty people on that bus. That's just their immediate family of 30. Kids and grandkids, all right? I want to get in on their list one of these days. They're a wonderful family, all right? So this 1969 bus rolls up here, and it's all the mythics. And they get out, and they, and they come in. We surprise them. There was about 20 or 30 people up here. We surprised them. We sat down. I had Pastor John on the screen for them, and they had, he gave them a greeting and a blessing. And it was just a wonderful time. And I, I just left here so thrilled to be, number one, that I get to be a part of their life and that they're a part of my life, you know. And I know they're a part of your life. Uh, for, for how many years? How many years have you folks been in the church? 50. 50? Okay, the church is 40 years old. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> they've been here for 40-some uh, years. You were over at the other church, right? So they've been here over 40 years. It's got to be 48, maybe 47, 48 years. They were here with Pastor John nearly from the beginning. And, uh, you know, Tom has been faithful serving. He helps round up the guys with the collection plates, with ushering. He's been doing that for many, many years. When I was a kid, he was doing that. Marianne's been hugging at that door since the beginning of time. I'll tell you what. And, and you know, if you want to you have a good day, you just come to this church and get a hug from Marianne, right? One day, somebody told me, they said, the reason we come to your church is because the lady who hugs us at the door. I said, do you like the music? No, we like the lady who hugs us at the door. They like everything. They like her the most. But I'll tell you what, what a blessing it is to have such faithful people who love the Lord who love each other, uh, what an incredible family they have. And so this morning, I just want to praise God for them. I, uh, we can't do this all the time, but 60 years, we're allowed to do that, you know? Uh, and by the way, we got a, they got married when they were like two and a half years old, okay? So just to clarify that, and uh, we'll be checking birth certificates later. But we're so thankful to God for them. I'm going to call our ushers forward. I'm, at this time, we'll receive our morning offering. I'm going to pray over them and pray over the offering. If you're our guest here today, please let the offering plate pass you, pass you by. Uh, this is for those that are committed and growing in a relationship with God, committed and growing in their, in, their, in, their, in their grace of giving. So let's just pray as we thank God for Tom and Marianne. What a wonderful, wonderful family. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and I thank you for Tom and Marianne. God, what a wonderful, wonderful family they have. Lord, thank you for Tom and Marianne, how they've been faithful to each other, faithful to God. And Lord, for 60 years of great, great family, Lord. I, I, I thank you for the example they set for all of us, Lord. We, we get to have the example of, of, of somebody who's walking with God and walking with their family. 
So God, I pray that you'll encourage us today, Lord, as we step out and, and we just see you moving in our life and, and with the examples of those around us that, that, are gone, that are leading us, Lord. So thank you for people like Tom and Mary, Lord, Marianne, Lord. Thank you for their children, for their grandchildren, and, and the great legacy that they have already invested into, into their family and into the church and into this community. Lord, we pray now for our offering. We thank you for the ability to come and give to you. Uh, thank you for all that you provided for us. And Lord, as we give back to you, we, uh, we just say thank you for all that you are. In your name we pray, amen. Would you give Tom and Marianne one more round of applause before we receive the offer? God bless.
As uh, we continue our series this morning on the winning life, I, was, I just can't help but think about Tom and Marianne. Here they are, 60 years married, and uh, really that's a winning life. They've won at relationships. They have figured out family. They, uh, they have not surrendered their family for, for their career. They have not surrendered uh, things that are uh, most important for things that are lesser important. And that's really what this is all about. That's what, uh, what, what it's all about whenever we're thinking about the winning life. Because here's what happens. If you want to have a losing life, you just uh, you put all your eggs in the basket of things that are not important. And so as we come and we look at what is really important in our life, that's, that's what we've been trying to portray here. Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we'll start with that scripture this morning. These have been the verses that have been our theme. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then verse 2 tells you how to do it. He says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is how, we know, this is how you get God's will in your life. You, you don't conform to the pattern of the world. The world has a pattern and God has a pattern. So what we do, we have to transform the, our mind. We, uh, this is where it starts. It starts in our mind. And as we change our mind, we learn how God's pattern is, then we change our behavior. God transforms us. Uh, our diamond that we put up, this has been our baseball diamond. We've been looking here. We started home plate with dependence. We said that uh, in baseball, you have to start home plate and you have to end at home plate. And so it is with your life. If you don't start with dependence on God and end with dependence on God, you haven't scored. You haven't gotten the winning life. Uh, the, the winning life comes whenever we have dependence upon God and we start a relationship and we have this, the, uh, uh, this dependency upon Him and it carries us through first base uh, where we learn how to deal with the inside, to become a person of integrity, uh, to, to work on things that nobody else can see, work on your character. And then we come to second base. You want to win at second base. You want to, you, you know, you don't want to just have success in life. You just don't want to have a good career. You just don't want to be running after the results. You want to have somebody to spend it with. And so you look at, look at others. You've got to win with others. You've got to win with your family. Uh, with relationships. There could be relationships in your family. Those are the most important relationships in your life. Uh, the, the, those are the people that matter the most. Then we move beyond that. We look at the people in, in your church. Look at the people in your community, the people at your work, relationships. Uh, we, we just don't bulldoze over people to get what we want in our life. And then we're coming today to talk about results. Because if we can come to results and understand that, that results are, God, God, God does help us with our careers. Uh, your, your career is not dichotomized from God. Uh, sometimes people think that, well, here's the spiritual side. You know, if I were to come and take, take a line and draw it right down the middle of that, from others to dependents, I, I think a lot of people look at that and they say, okay, on this half over here, uh, there's, there's all those things, dependency on God, uh, being a person of good character, being good morally character, and, and family relationships. So on that side, you look at it and many people say, well, that's what we do on the weekend. That's Saturday and Sunday. Sunday we have church and we have a little bit of family time in there. 
But the rest of the week, we're coming over here and we're looking at results. Of course, I have to have some relationships in business, but mostly I'm looking at results in building a career. And nothing could be further from the truth. Because if, if, we could, if you come and you, and you try to separate your career from God, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, the, the Bible doesn't speak to that. The Bible doesn't have this idea of somehow that there's a secular and a sacred uh, you know, we, I've heard people use that word, a secular world, and I understand what they're saying. They're saying this is a world where God's not involved, but let me share something with you. God is involved in every area of your life. There is no, my career is my secular world and my church is my sacred world. No, it's all together out there, and God has you out there. You're working, whether you own a business or you work for somebody else who owns the business. You're out there, and you're working every day, and that is important. What you do matters. Uh, you're, you're going to work every day, and it matters. God has a plan for you, but your plan is not your work. That's just part of the plan. And if we could catch this this morning, that my creator is my purpose, not my career. My creator, God, my creator is my purpose, not my career. If we can start to develop that, we'll understand how to win at success. We'll understand how to win in your career. Now, over here in uh, Matthew chapter 6, um, God's, uh, here's what I want to sh- throw that at you this morning. If God is my provider, um, and that is how you win at third base. Understanding that God is my provider and I will trust in him. God is my provider. Your boss is not your provider. God is your provider. You are not your provider. You work hard. Yes, you are called to go to work. We have to get up. We have to go to work. But that is not how we win. That's part of the win. But the win is when we understand that God is my provider, not me. Um, Over in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. uh, We'll begin there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says, do not worry about your life. I, I want you to think what happens here. Most people in our culture, in our society, they look at third base and they think that that is the only thing that really matters and they go after that. They work, 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 work and nothing else seems to be important and they are worried about it. And rightfully so, I think there are some things that do cause us concern. Maybe you're without a job. Maybe you're in a, in a transition of job. Maybe your job's in jeopardy, all kinds of things. And there's a lot of unknowns. And, and certainly, when you're in that position, it's a, a bigger area of dependency. Because you're not looking for somebody, there's nobody there to hand a check every day. So you're looking for work and can't find it. But here's what God says. His principle here is this, is do not worry. I love that. Do not worry about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you're going to put on. Aren't these clothing more? uh, Isn't your body more than clothes? Isn't your body more than food? There's something deeper here. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sorrow nor reap nor gather into the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more important than they are? Are you not of more value than they? He says, look, look at the birds. Consider the birds. God takes care of them. I come up here and uh, I got a beautiful view up here. Every, every morning you get to come up and see this beautiful view looking out over the field. And as you look out over the field, uh, from time to time through the fall, I've seen all these birds coming up and kind of swarming. Uh, 
I guess birds don't swarm, do they? They, they flock, right? So the, the birds were flocking, and they're, and they're kind of they're flocking, and they're going down and, and, and getting ready to head south. And, and you see that. It's just fascinating. And when this city boy looks and sees all that, I, I get super excited about uh, how, how God has just even trained the birds to know to get out of here. You know? Maybe we should learn from the birds, huh? You know? I mean, they know how to get out of there. And yet there are other birds that are equipped to handle the winter. Some of them that stay here all year round. And, uh, and it's interesting. God says he takes care of them. Don't you think he's going to take care of you? You're going to work every day, and you are worried about your career. You're worried about you're heading out to, to, to be number one, looking out after number one all the time. And, and, and God says, isn't there more to the story? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you? Now look at this next verse, verse 27. It's a powerful verse. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to his stature? Who, who among you can grow a foot taller? Can you grow a foot taller by worrying? I think sometimes we grow a foot shorter by worrying. We get our head down. We're all bent over. He, sa- he says, who among you? Um, can, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And, and why are you anxious about clothing? Look at verse 28. Uh, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Even the, the lilies of the field, God takes care of all of that. And, uh, and, and Solomon, he was the richest, wisest man that they knew. That was other culture. And, and so it would be like comparing to, to some really rich person that you would think of today. And he says, that, look, God takes care of the lilies. And they're not even taken care of. They're, they're taken care of way better than Solomon took care of himself. Look at verse 30. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Uh, the grass that we cut down and you throw it off into the oven, will, will God not take care of you more than that? Uh, God takes care of the grass. It, it grows. We cut it and we get rid of it. Isn't God taking care of you than that? And he says, oh, you of little faith. You're worried about your career, worried about your job. You have to give more, more and more and more to your job than you ever thought that you had to give. And, uh, and you're, you're consumed by your work. You're consumed by it, and God says, I'm your provider. Don't be consumed by your work. Don't, be, don't worry about your work. Don't become over-anxious. Don't, don't give everything to your work because God is your Father. Uh, when you go to work, work, and we're going to talk about that. But he says, listen, therefore, don't be anxious. Uh, verse 31, therefore, don't be anxious. Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the pagans seek after these things. People who don't have God, they seek after those things. See, when you don't have God, you've, they're coming and saying, wow, this is, I got to work, I got to work, I got to work. And the more I work, the longer I work. And if I, if I build my career, I'll be happy. He says, people who don't have God, they seek after that. People who don't have God, that is their number one priority and pretty much their only priority. God has a bigger plan for your life. God, the creator, the creator is your purpose, not your career. 
And our career is important. I'm not diminishing our career. I'm not saying that we shouldn't work hard. As a matter of fact, we should be the hardest workers. But it shouldn't be your consumption. It shouldn't consume you. Uh, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Here's how you win at third base. Seek God first in his righteousness, and God will be your provider. It's that simple. If you go to work tomorrow seeking God and his righteousness, that's the top priority of your day, God is your provider. He is the one that says that he will be providing. He promises you clothing, uh, uh, a place to stay, clothing, and food. It's, it's your basics if you look at the passage. You'll see he's, he's not saying that you're going to get rich. You certainly won't get rich quick. He's saying that I will be your provider. God is our provider. Uh, therefore, verse 34, therefore don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day is its own trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We have enough trouble today to worry about. How am I going to be worried about tomorrow? How am I going to be worried about, about tomorrow when I'm still dealing with today's issues? He says, don't be overcome with worry. You know, we, we have a real problem in our, in our, in our world. Uh, people are looking out for their job, and, they're saying, and there's a little saying out there. It says, looking out for number one, right? And if you're looking out for number one, you'll be successful, and really that's not successful. I ran into one person. He told me this. He said he had the philosophy. He said, my mother always taught me, look out for number, number one and never step in number two. In other words, he was saying, look, don't get into a mess. Always be looking out for number one, and nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, listen, number one is not you. Number one has got to be God. And if I put God in that number one position, and I'm not worrying, I'm, not, I'm going to work, but I'm not stressing, and I'm not over-consumed about who, uh, what, what this job is and about how much, and me, 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 me. I've got to go to work. God's called us to go to work. But at the end, God is my provider. I will trust in God as my provider. Psalm 20, verse 6 says this. Psalm 20, verses 6 through 8. King David here, he's, he's, uh, he's going on and he's sharing about the great victories that he's had in his life. He says this, Psalm 20, verse 6. says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. He, he's saying, listen, I know this is what God does because I've seen him do it. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Uh, think, think about this. He, he says, we have a military. The, the, the nation of Israel, he, King David, he was king of, of Israel. They had chariots. They had horses. Uh, they, they had the military that went out. He says, some are trusting. Other nations are trusting in that, but we trust in the name of the Lord. So he was not suggesting that you don't work. He was not suggesting that we don't build our military, that we don't go out and have uh, horses and chariots and all that. Think of the pressures of, of, of King David uh, to go out and have, the, you know, did we put out the right horses? Did we train our, our uh, did we get the right chariots? Did we do this right? Did we do that right? And uh, they looked at it, you know, today you're going through that in your life. You go out and you look at the battle that you're preparing for. You look at your work. Did I do the right? Did, did I do this right? Did I do that right? And I think that we have to always be looking 
uh, you know, when we're walking, yeah, we're, we're going to go out. We're going to use the minds that God has given us. But at the end of the day, it's more than the minds that God's given us, and it's more than the work that you do. It is God as your provider. Because here he says that we trust in the name of the Lord our God. God's your provider. Are you willing to trust him? Will you trust him as your provider? You see, it takes away the stress of your career. It takes away the stress of your job. Uh, all these things that we strive so much for in life, uh, if, if we burn up at second base, if, if, we, if we get thrown out at second base on, on relationships, third base doesn't matter a whole lot. I, I've never seen anybody win a, win a game of baseball by getting thrown out at second. When you get thrown out at second, you don't get to cross home plate. And if we just run out all of our teams and we, we get out at first and second, first and second, first and second, we never score, do we? But if you want to have a winning life, we, we go around the bases and we let God develop our character. We let God develop our relationships and we let God develop our work. Now, what this means, practically, how can we trust God as our provider? If he's our provider, how can I trust God as my provider? So I'm going to give you three thoughts here about the practicality of trusting God as your provider. And number one is this, before you run to work, walk with God. Before you run to work, walk with God. If God is your provider, your boss is not your provider. He may write a check for you. She may write a check for you, but they're not your provider. Uh, you, you own your own company. You're, you, uh, you, you do your own business. You employ other people. You're not the, your, your provider. You're going out and doing the work, but it's God. God's the one who gives you the contracts. God's the one who puts blessing, and he, he, he's the one who provides. You're the one who's the worker. You're going out and working. God is the provider. So if I'm going to go and I'm going to get this right, I have to come before God and I have to start to walk with God. Genesis 5, verse 21 through 24. This is about a man named Enoch. Now these people lived a, a lot longer, many years. Look here, it's a very interesting, just a, a brief note about Enoch's life. It says that Enoch lived 65 years and then had a son named Methuselah. Verse 22, and after he begot Methuselah, after he had his son Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch, wa and Enoch walked with God. Enoch was somebody who walked with God. Uh, to walk with somebody uh, means that you are you're relaxed together. You're with them. Look over here at Amos 3.3. Amos 3.3, the, the prophet here is talking to the nation of Israel about lining up to walk with God. He says this, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Um, the, the, the word together there in, in the original language kind of gives this idea of walking in sync. They're in rhythm together. From time to time, my wife and I, we like to go walking at South Park. And uh, we have this little thing that happens. You know, when you're walking together, you have to be together. Did you ever notice that? It's, it's a real simple process. If your wife, you know, you take your wife for a walk, you have to be there and you have to stay together. And you're walking in sync, right? So I, I take my wife out for a walk and, uh, and so sometimes we're not walking together. Sometimes we're just walking. Sometimes... We take off walking, and she'll get this little burst of energy, and she's like, you know, doing one of these deals, you know? And I don't do one of those deals. And I said, go ahead, honey, I'll see you. And I'm wondering, 
I thought we were walking together. I thought we were coming here to enjoy the evening. And she's like, well, you need to catch up with me. I'm like, well, you need to catch up with me, you know. And we have this discussion that goes back and forth. And what happens is we get on different sync. We're not in the same rhythm. And we're not walking together. And I think sometimes this is what happens in your life. You go out and you are walking, but you're not walking in sync with God. Uh, when, we, when we come, you've got you've to meet with God in the morning. Start your day off in the morning. Before you go to work, set your alarm, get up a little bit earlier, and just meet with God. And start your day there. Start with the Acts model of prayer that we shared a few weeks ago. Uh, start, give, give God 15 minutes, a half hour. Where, wherever you're at, God will grow you in that, in that discipline. But make it a priority. If you don't make it a priority, it'll never happen. But get up and walk with God. Enoch walked with God. We see, we see these Bible characters. That there's, there's a, they're in sync with God. And I want to encourage you, before you go running off to work, before you become consumed, because here's what happens. We get up, and, uh, and these crazy phones, they have a tendency to control our life. Uh, you know, we, 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 we're, we're connected to everybody. We can find out what's going on. We can find out what, what, we've, what we've failed at, what we should have done. And you have all these things, and we're so connected to that that we've missed the greater point of life. The greater point of life is that I am God's child. And that I, ha- I have a purpose in my creator. God, my creator, has a purpose for me. And it's wrapped up in him. And it's not my career. My career is just part of what I do. So I want to encourage you. Number one, uh, before you run to work, walk with God. Make him a priority. And continue to walk with him throughout the day. If, he, if we're seeking him first and his righteousness... He's going to do the work. He's going to be your provider. So I continue to walk with him throughout the day. Obviously, I'm not able, I can't sit and have an appointment at work and read my Bible all day long, but I can be in tune and in touch with God. So I start my morning with prayer. Start your morning with the Word, and then move on into the day. And as your day gets going, you're taking the thoughts that God has put onto you. You're taking His Spirit with you, and you are walking with Him and constantly in touch with Him all day. You're in rhythm with him. Secondly is this. Work up to six days a week, not seven. Uh, the scriptures tell us that we can work up to six days, but not seven. Uh, the, the principle here is from Exodus chapter 20. God tells us here, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord our God. Uh, on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord has made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. He blessed the seventh day, and he made, made it holy. I, I want to encourage you. There's a couple thoughts in that passage. Uh, number one, remember. He says to remember the Sabbath. Why does he tell us to remember? Because we're driven. We are driven. If we let ourselves go, we will work nonstop. We will just work and work and work. We'll always be connected to it, always be thinking about it. And he says to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. It, holy means set apart. It's set apart unto God. What do we do whenever we're keeping it holy? We give more focus to God on that day than any other day of our week. Why? Because we don't have all the things of our job in front of us. 
This morning is, today is for many of you, your Sabbath. Today is your seventh day. It's your day of rest. You're here today. God has a higher priority today than he does the rest of the week by just the sheer amount of time. You're here interacting with his family, interacting with his word. You're spending time in worship. That's what God's called us to do. Work six days, and then on the seventh you can rest. If you can get it in five, that's great. If you have to take six, that's okay, but don't go to seven. Seventh day, and, and, and this is an important part. I think so many times because we understand that we're not under the law, we've missed the principle here. There was nothing in the law that was given to harm you. This was a very important principle that God gave us. Your bodies were designed. We're designed to take a rest. You have to take a rest. If we don't take a rest, we're no longer productive. I, I was reading some business principles, and, and some of them say that you should always be connected to your work. Well, God says you need to be disconnected from your work, to, to, to back off, to, to take a day where you say, okay, God, this is yours. I'm, I'm going to let you restore my soul. I'm going to let you speak into me, and I'm just going to rest. I'm going I'm to be diverted from all that. I want to encourage you today. Uh, you, you've been here. You, you've had this time with God. Separate this day. Go home and enjoy the day. Uh, go home and don't start thinking about work. Don't check your emails. They'll be there tomorrow. I just want to encourage you. They will be there. Uh, I have, I'm starting to develop a policy where I don't want to check my emails after 6 o'clock. That's it. You know, if I can come, and that's, that's my next thought here t this morning is this. Put time limits on your work. Place time limits on your work. Don't work all the time. Uh, you know what? There, there are second base things that happen when you come home from work. It's called your, fam your family. There's things of integrity that God's developing and, and you have to come home, and you have to be there. You have to be present. You have to be there and be there. And so that is really important. We come home and not, not be checking my emails constantly. And listen, I, I'm developing this habit where it's like I'm always connected. So I'm saying, God, you've got to help me. I've got to stop. I've got to cut back. You know, Facebook will be there all day. Sorry, Facebook will be there all day, right? I don't have to check it constantly. I don't have to be connected to everybody else's stuff. I don't have to look at what's coming up. The next appointment is, those appointments will be there. I can set those appointments, and I'll see you tomorrow. Why? Because God is developing other things. My wife needs me. My kids need me. There's people in the community. There's other things outside of your work all day. And so, so this is a principle that God's given us. Um, but it's real important. Here, here's, here's, here's the balance to this. You have to understand that God is my provider. But also understand that God is my provider and I will work for him. I trust him and now I work for him. When you go to work tomorrow, your boss is not your provider, God is. So therefore, work for God. Your boss has hired you from 9 o'clock till 5 o'clock. Go in, get in there 15 minutes early. Be ready to go and work that from 9 to 5. And work as hard as you can. And like I like to tell the younger generation, this means if you're hired to dig a ditch, that means you're digging a ditch. You're not over here on your phone texting. You see, I'm not over here because my boss has paid me and I'm working over there. God has been your provider. He's telling you, go over there and dig that ditch. Don't be over here playing what you think is more important. Even though you think you should be making more than what he's paying you to dig that ditch, God is your provider. You've got to take that up with God. Your responsibility is to go work and dig that ditch all day. Whatever your work is, you go in and you pour into it and you focus. 
You see, now, if, I think most employers, if most employers hired somebody for 40 hours a week and they got somebody who really worked 40 hours a week, they would be thrilled. They will pay you like crazy because most people don't work the 40 hours. They may come in and they check in the coffee and check in this and, and, and then they, they find that they get a, a productivity, right? Well, as Christians, our job is to go out there and be the hardest workers that we can be. Because God is your provider, not your boss. But here's what's really exciting. When 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock comes and you're allowed to leave, whatever time it is that you leave, guess what? You don't have to take work home. You can dismiss it. You can say, okay, that was my work, and I have worked hard. I have walked with God all day. I've been working. Now I go home, and I pay attention to my family. I pay attention to my kids. I am, I am plugged in. And so that will look different for all of us. Some of you will work evenings. Some of you will work day. Some of you will work half days, half evenings. It's all over the place. But the principle is the same. Look here in Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 22 through 25. This is not on the screen here, but I'll, let me just read this. He says in Colossians 3, 22, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when, you are wa- when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Why do you go and work hard tomorrow at your job? Because of your reverent fear for the Lord. That's it. Not because your boss is a nice guy, but because of who your real boss is. Because God, your provider. So you go and you work hard. Verse 23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. I think if you go to work and you're working for God, your boss is going to be thrilled because you're working hard. You're giving it all. Verse 24, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and and the master... Uh, you are, and that he is the master that you are serving. He is Christ. The master that you are serving is Christ. So go to work tomorrow when you have that. Being a follower of Christ, winning at third base, does not cover up for poor workmanship. You see, when we go to work, we're to work, work hard. But when we're done, we get to come home. And work is not my only thing in life. It's not, it's not the, the end all. It is an important part, and we should work, and we have to give a lot to it. The Scriptures talk about work. Work was a gift from God. Imagine all your life with nothing to do. Wouldn't that be great? I'll just sit here on an island. It's pretty cool for about three months, I think, right? You do that for 30 years, and you'd lose your mind. We need something to do. God's given us something to do. And as you go out, you work for the Lord. And so as you, you invest in your work. Um, I was reading about a lady. She had a cleaning business. And, uh, and, and she was friends with several of the other cleaning businesses. And they had all talked about one particular house. It was a really large house. And the owner of this house would call in a cleaning company. And the cleaning company would only get to do it once. And the word was out that, hey, you know what? You, you may get a call, but you're only going to get to do that house one time. So this lady got the call. This big house, they gave her a call. The, the owner said, hey, come up and clean my house. So she came up, she brought her team, and they cleaned. They worked hard. They went around, and they kept finding change all over the house. And as they took this change, they had a cup on the, on the counter in the kitchen, and all the, all the people who worked cleaning that house, they came in, and they put the, the money into the cup. 
They leave and thought, well, we've done our job. We'll see what happens. And much to this lady's surprise, she gets a call back from the owner of the house two weeks later. Hey, you did a fantastic job. We want you to come back. And she responds, you want us to come back? Nobody's ever gotten to come back to your house twice. She said, it's $1.61. It's $1.61. She goes, what are you talking about? She said, I strategically placed a dollar and 61 cents of change all over the house. And if people correctly cleaned it, they found it and put it, put it in a cup, right? You're the only one that has found the dollar 61. I've had other companies that have come close. They made, uh, they made 130, $1.30. They made $1.40. I've had some that made 80 cents. But you're the only one that has found everything, $1.61. You're hired. What you do when no one sees you is still important. Whether the boss is there or not, you're working for God. And you see, that lady, she found success as she kept working hard. She did. She was thorough. She gave everything in her work and then come home and keep developing the other areas of my life. God is my provider. Lastly, this morning, God is my provider. I will wait for his favor, for his blessings. I will, I will let God be the one who who blesses me. I don't have to strive to win. I go out, I work hard. And if we can put this all into perspective, less is more when God is involved. You see, if you go out and you're working 40 to 50 hours a week, you've given and you're all in that time, God is going to work. You don't have to be giving 90 hours a week to work. Uh, you, you, can, you can take and you say, all right, these other areas of my life, I'm going to develop. I'm going to grow in family relationships. I'm going to grow in my personal integrity. I'm going to connect in my church. I'm going to grow as a, as a believer of Christ. And as, as you do that, God transforms your life. And that's how we win at third base. That's how we have the winning life. We let God, we start with dependence, let him work in all those areas, and we come back home to God. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to encourage you to work hard. God has given you something to do, a, a job, a career, some place to be involved, and I want to remind you that God is your provider, not your employer. Your employer is there. He may hand you a check, but he's used by God, and God has used you in that employer's life. He will use you to work for his honor, for his glory. I want to encourage you to go out and win at third base. But not at sacrificing first base or second base. Not at sacrificing home plate. Take and depend upon God. Build a life of dependency upon God. Build a life that, uh, 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 of growing in personal integrity and character. Grow in your family relationships. Grow in relationships. And then watch God grow as you work. As you go out and you work hard unto the Lord. Father God, I come before you, Lord, and I ask you right now, God, that you'll transform lives. God, continue to help us as we look unto you, the author and finisher of our faith. Thank you for the cross. Lord, you provided a way of escape for us through the cross of Christ, and we come before you and we thank you for what you've done there, Lord, on the cross. You died on the cross. You paid for our sin. You've come back to life again. And you promised, Lord, your name is... Jehovah Jireh, Lord, our provider. God, I pray that you'll help us to come to you to recognize that you are our provider. In your name we pray, amen.
As we sing our closing song today, if you'd like to come and kneel and pray, please feel free to do so. Let's stand together as we sing and close our service.